Good morning. <laughs> For the last uh, couple Sundays, we've been hearing about characters from the Old Testament. Uh, and uh, today, we're going to switch over to the New Testament and hear about a character named John Mark. Um, he's one of my favorite characters in the New Testament, because not because of what he has done, but he's done marvelous things, but what God has done through him and uh, recorded a failure and how God has brought such wonderful things out of that. And as we look at that, really, to see the power of God given to a life given over to him. Listen to the scripture uh, about John Mark. It's, uh, uh, I'm taking just this, a portion of what is known in the scripture about him out of Acts. But listen to that, and we'll talk about the rest as we go along. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the works to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed down there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John Mark was with them as their helper. From Pampos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Two years later, sometime later, two years, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Have you ever really failed at something, uh, really messed up? Maybe you still remember it, and uh, maybe you've never really gotten over it, because a big failure is hard to get over. It's such a blow to our self-confidence and our self-esteem, and many times we never forget it or we think about it, but it's an awful experience. None of us like failure, but experts say that the road to success often has several pit stops of failure along the way, and it's just a painful component of success. And uh, so we all have had it, probably. If you haven't, talk to me later. I want to hear how you've avoided it. But um, we often learn, though, if you think about it, we often learn more from our failures than we ever do from our successes. In one of my first attempts at ministry, I was really humbled a lot because there was a need in the church there for a third grade teacher. I never really saw myself teaching kids, although I raised a couple. Um, 
But the need was so great, and they were begging for a teacher. So, you know, I raised my hand, let me do it. I ought to be able to do that. I mean, it's third graders after all. So I said yes to it, a little bit hesitant. But I'll tell you, it was a terrible failure in my life. Those third day graders walked up and down me. They didn't listen to a word I said. I tried to bribe them with donuts, candy, games. <laughs> I yelled at them, nothing worked. I was put down by a bunch of third graders. So I, out of it, I resigned. I had to, and that humiliated me. I felt like I failed. I mean, third graders caused a failure out of a grown woman. And then I felt bad for the people that I told I would do it, and they had to find somebody else. But I learned a lot out of that. I learned where my gifts weren't and began to search where my gifts really were. And today we're looking at a beautiful scriptural story illustrating the power of God to redeem our failures. And the Bible, you know, relates real-life stories with real-life failures, real-life problems, real-life sins. And that is so wonderful because we can read it and be encouraged and learn about God from it. And I like John Mark a lot because of what his own failure, a big one, and how God took it and redeemed it and used it in great ways. Um, it, it was, uh, he's one of uh, the people that I think we can learn a lot from. And I, like I said, I read a couple passages out of Acts, but there are also many other passages that refer to him or talk about him. And if you put it all together, that's where I've derived my sermon and also from church tradition. And also you'll hear a little of my own projection or interpretation. Uh, his intentions, John Mark, no question, his intentions and his upbringing were strong. He had a great heritage of faith. His mother's name was Mary, and it was in their home that Jesus gathered a lot for meetings, and also after Jesus' ascension, where the early church gathered. And on the, on the time, we have communion today, on that first Passover, that first communion with his disciples, it is thought that he was the young man that was seen carrying the jar of water in Mark 14 for the Passover meal. And his house, no question, was where the upper room was, was uh, located. And uh, he got to know Jesus. Jesus was in and out of his house. So what a privilege that he got to know him personally. How thrilling for him to be part of such a strong uh, disciples ministering, Jesus ministering, and then the early church. And he even uh, had a chance to eat fish with Jesus in his post-resurrection appearance in Luke 24. And after... Jesus' ascension, Mary's house was where the early church met. They gathered and they prayed when uh, Peter was in prison. We're told about that in Acts 12. And in spite of the danger of persecution, because the early church was persecuted, persecuted in spite of all that, Mary allowed them to gather at her house. She even had a guard by the door to protect them. And Mary's brother was Barnabas, so John Mark's uncle was Barnabas. And Barnabas, at even in the beginning of the early church, he was well-respected, trusted leader in the new church. And we find his story 
in Acts 2 and other places, but we see him at the beginning taking all his possessions and selling it. He had an open hand to help those in need in the early church that really needed some financial assistance. He was a very generous man. And it was him that believed Saul, later the apostle Paul, really had a conversion experience. Saul was such an enemy of the church and they were all terrified of him because he persecuted him, he killed him, he was ruthless. Then he shows up one day and says, I've changed, I believe in Jesus now. And of course they thought it probably it was a ploy to get in to, to kill them all. But Barnabas sat down and talked to him and he backed him up and said, this is real. And he had enough clout and respect that they believed him. So he, he got to, so John Mark got to know Paul through his uncle and all these church leaders up close. He was an original apostle, John Mark wasn't, but it's thought that he was part of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out to spread the good news of the kingdom. But, and for sure, he was surrounded by strong leaders, a great upbringing, and I'm sure he thought he was absolutely spiritually mature and strong. But wait, a big test was coming. He had to find out his own strength, upbringing, and knowledge was not enough. He needed more dependency and growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when news came that a new church had sprung up in Antioch, when the news came back to the first church in Jerusalem, they weren't sure about that either. They wanted to make sure the doctrine was sound and that they were proclaiming Jesus down there and the church was a good, solid church. So they sent Barnabas down there to the new church and he found that church worthy of his support and he also sent for Paul had after his conversion experience had gone back to Tarsus and he sent for him again he was behind the scenes pushing someone else to go forward and trusting a man that he felt God had really changed his life so he brought Saul Paul down to Tarsus and they were chosen to be the first missionaries for the church. Can you imagine? So John Mark knew all this. He knew the Christian leaders. He had a relationship with Simon Peter because we see in 1 Peter 5, he called John Mark my son, and it's thought that he had a very close relationship with him and may have nurtured him in the faith or even brought him to a saving experience with the Lord Jesus. So here's John Mark surrounded by all these great leaders and he may assumed, and rightly so, I'm one of them, you know, and I'm ready to go. So when the church in Antioch was led to send out the first missionaries to the pagan world, Barnabas and Paul, they asked John Mark to join them. And uh, at that point, it was Barnabas and Paul. Later, we see a change in leadership, but at that point, it was his uncle, was the leader of this team. So they asked John Mark to go with him. He was going as, uh, as their helper, is the word the scripture uses. John Mark was going as their helper. So in reality, he was going to be their gopher and, uh, and would be useful to them. So here, can you imagine his excitement? He was going with the big guns on the first missionary trip ever out of this church, this new church at Antioch that had a heart to save the world. Wow, 
Ministry seemed good. He was on top of the world. Success and success. So they took off. And uh, it was uh, the first stop. They stopped at the governor's house in Cyprus. And the governor, who was a pagan, turned to Christ. So, wow, ministry was great. People were coming to Christ. Success, success. Big success. So... He must have really felt good. They all felt good, and rightly so. God was at work. But we know things change fast. At the next stop, things were totally different. Something happened on that leg of the journey that challenged John Mark beyond his own abilities. So he quit. He quit the team and went back to Jerusalem. We aren't told exactly why he went back. There are various uh, theories. One, that he was obviously a young man of affluence and ease with his house and, and a good life. Well, maybe he got really homesick for that out there in the, the bush, the wilderness, and the, all this where he could have been killed any day by uh, people that hated the church. Or he could have looked to the next leg of the journey from where he was and it was through a mountainous road where robbers and killers and murderers hung out, and life wasn't valued there, and many people died there, and he could have been afraid, and rightly so. And so he thought, I'm going home. And uh, he could have gotten sick. Malaria was very common. Maybe he got sick and went home to have his mom care for him. Whatever happened, he turned back. He quit. Ministry wasn't easy, and... And it certainly wasn't with the blessing of the Apostle Paul, as we see later. But however, the most common thought in scholars is there was a change in leadership. You know, a change in leadership is really difficult. Many of you have been through that, whether it's at work or in the church or where. It's, a, it's hard. And this one could have been particularly hard for John Mark, because Barnabas, great man of God, was the leader. And suddenly, after Cyprus, we see it was no longer Barnabas, Paul. But the scriptures say Paul and Barnabas. That might have been exceedingly hard for John Mark because we know from scripture Barnabas was an encourager. He put others first. He was a selfless guy. We know from the scriptures also that Paul was a butt kicker. And he, and he might have not wanted to work for him after being encouraged by his uncle. But whatever reason, he left. Can you imagine sailing back? It took a few days to get back to Jerusalem. What he felt like, he must have felt like dirt. He must have felt like such a failure. He could have been angry. His emotions could have been all over. But either way, he had to go back and explain to the church at Antioch and at Jerusalem why he quit. So he either had to complain, blame, or own it up. We don't know what happened, except we do know God had a redeeming chapter for John Mark, but not quite yet. There was still a little more to learn because two years later, they decided to go on a second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas. So this time, Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. He's learned a lot of stuff. Let's take him. He'll be helpful to us. But Paul refused to take him. He said, he's a deserter, and I'm not going to take him. And the scripture says there was such a sharp disagreement. They split. 
and Paul ended up taking Silas, and Barnabas ended up taking John Mark. And so we don't know much about that missionary journey, but this time John Mark didn't turn back, and he went on, and we'll hear more about his life in a, in a couple minutes. But it was interesting because the great encourager, Barnabas, saw more value in the relationship with John Mark than he did in going with the great apostle Paul. And, uh, he, and Paul left with a new partner, and, uh, and Barnabas left with John Mark to go back to Cyprus. So, uh, but through the rest of the New Testament and the missionary journeys, it's primarily about Paul. But John Mark finds his place later in some of the churches, the very churches that the Apostle Paul had uh, planted. Because in Colossians 4.10 and in Philemon, John Mark is mentioned as active in the ministry. So obviously, he learned a lot. And, but, but thinking about there were two years between that first failure and that second missionary journey. What happened to him in that two years? What was going on with him? Uh, did he go to church? Did he drop out? Did he despair? Did he assume leadership roles? Or did he just hide out? What would you have done with a tremendous failure like that? And, and the whole church knew about it. Two churches knew about it. But it's interesting. God had another plan, an amazing plan, because Peter came to John Mark, it is thought, and Peter was a fisherman, so his education might not have been great. We don't know. But John Mark came of fluence. He was highly educated, intelligent, and Peter knew it. So he came to him and he said, hey, some of the apostles are being killed. And I'm getting old and tired, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. We don't, and nothing, not one word is written down about Jesus Christ and his life and what he's done to pass down to future generations. Would you write it down? And so it is believed that Peter sat down with John Mark and he penned the Gospel of Mark. And of course, Matthew and Luke would use this manuscript later and perhaps even talk to John Mark as they wrote the, the books of the New Testament. So look at God. He even used the time of recovery and, and, and used it for good in, in John Mark's story. And then we read in 2 Timothy 4, 10, 20 years later, Paul asked that John Mark come to him because he was useful. Look at the redemption of God, even in broken relationships and Christians. John Mark had not given up. God had matured him, used him, and he earned the respect and love of those who had rejected him. We witness in John Mark the power of God to take his failure and our failures and make something really good out of them if we let him. What are the, some, truth, some of the truths that we can take away from this story? And there's so many. But first, think about your own life. How have you handled the failures? Some people give up, lose their confidence, they go never try again. Some people try again, learn from it. Where, what have you done? Where are you right now? It's never, ever too late for God to work in your life, even if there's been a distance between the failure you've given up. Go back to him. He's a powerful God. 
And there are some truths other than that we can learn from the story. Number one is that God redeems those who are committed to him. A mistake cannot take away the purpose of God that he has in your life unless you let it. You were created for works to do beforehand. We're told that in Ephesians. And nobody can take that away from you that God has given you unless you just refuse to do it. He has a purpose. And if you ask him, he will make you stronger through all the failures to accomplish his purposes. Number two, we can't see the big picture. John Mark was wounded by a great leader. Maybe you've been wounded by a church leader, maybe by me, who knows? Because we're imperfect. And we wound each other. We don't, sometimes we mean to, sometimes we don't, but we're imperfect. And if we get close and we're on a team, things are gonna happen where you're gonna get your feelings hurt or get wounded or doubt your own abilities to to do the task, but God redeems even that. Look at this, everything in the story says that because somewhere along the line, the Apostle Paul changed his mind about John Mark. Maybe John Mark's failure taught the Apostle Paul something in watching Barnabas. We don't know, we impact each other as God works among us to heal us in those times. And maybe the Apostle Paul learned a little bit about not being slow to give someone a second chance. Number three, God doesn't waste anything of what happens to his own, to those who follow Christ. He used John Mark powerfully, made him strong. And we find God powerfully used his life. He founded the church in Alexandria, one of the most important churches in the New Testament, early Christianity. He, John Mark founded it, and he's also considered the disciple who brought the gospel to Africa. He died at age 62 or 63 in Libya, and he was serving Christ. But in A.D. 68, they put a rope around his neck and dragged him through the streets until he was dead because of his faith. So he's a martyr, and he didn't turn back or deny Christ. And he's buried in Venice at St. Mark's Basilica now. This young man learned a big lesson through failure. He learned there is no failure with God. Only learning experiences, second and third and fourth chances, if we give him our lives. Do we, you know this? It's so true. But lastly, but most importantly, you know, look at the role Barnabas played in John Mark's life and others. We'll talk about him maybe next week. And you could be a Barnabas. That's really all of us. Look around the people in your life at work, your family. Encourage, encourage. We all need encouragement. And that helps so much when you're going through hard times. And and your disappointments, or maybe your weak faith, to, to, or maybe someone else's. You can be an encouragement, and we can be a Barnabas to someone every day if we look around and ask God to use us. Think back over how many opportunities Jesus gave his disciples. How many failures did they have? We know a bunch of them are recorded. 
They didn't get it too fast, but he didn't give up on them. They fail repeatedly, and he kept giving them another chance. And this is still true of his followers today. And personally, think of how many chances God has given you. It's very humbling, I know, because he's that kind of God. He never gives up on his own. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your unending, your love, the fact that when we give our lives to you, no one can take them out of your hands. And you use our failures to make us strong and to work in the good of the kingdom and good for us. And so God, encourage us, encourage any one of us that is here to really continue on the journey you have for us because we look at the world and as Nancy has prayed, oh, how much the world needs Jesus. So use us and thank you that you will if we allow you. In spite of our past, in spite of anything, you have a call and a purpose. We're not here by accident. And we thank you you live within us and be with us as we come to this table today and meet us there and only the way that you can meet us there. In Jesus' name, amen.